remember this story of Pinocchio? Pinocchio and Geppetto? We know that every time Pinocchio lies, his nose got bigger, right? Well, we have to go deeper into our memory bank to remember that Pinocchio and Geppetto, they reunited in the big fish. You guys remember that? Well, isn't it interesting? Because it wasn't until Jonah got in the belly of fish that he got reunited with God, the creator and the created. I mean, this is just amazing parallel, and I look at Pinocchio in a different light. Nothing happens by chance. God doesn't work like that, as we all know. So there is this God called Dagon, half fish, half man. It just so happened that this God uh, was one of the prominent gods of Nineveh, the city that Jonah was supposed to go. So think about this. Jonah is in the belly of fish for three days and three nights. And then he goes to Nineveh. Imagine the stories that he could tell and make that connection with Ninevites. So even in the midst of his disobedience, God is working around him and even going before him. He's paving the way. So when Jonah turns around, that God will prepare a place for him to do God's ministry. This is our God. He's in charge of all things. 1 Samuel chapter 5 is where we encounter Dagon. The Bible mentions Dagon three times, but 1 Samuel 5 is the most uh, popular one, the famous one, I should say. So Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant from Israelites. They take this Ark back to their place and puts the Ark in the temple of Dagon. It's kind of like uh, offering the Ark as a sacrifice to their god, Dagon. Well, the next morning, they found that Dagon fell down before the ark. I was like, what, what's going on? So they put Dagon back in his place. But then the following day, Dagon fell down again as if Dagon was worshiping the ark. This time, the head and the arms were broken apart. This is God that Ninevites worshiped. Nothing happens by chance. They're familiar with this God, half man, half fish. Well, Jonah is kind of like that, again, making that connection. Nothing happens by chance. Why three days? According to Sumerian religion at the time, they figure out that it takes three days for anyone to visit the realm of the dead. So Jonah, being in the fish for three days and three nights, he was able to go to the other side and come back and to tell others about this story. Remember uh, Abraham offering Isaac? God told him to go to Mount Moriah. It's a three days journey. Three days. Enough time for Isaac to encounter the realm of death. He went to the other side and then he came back. Not just the sacrifice itself, but 
You think he will remember that occasion? The next time Abraham goes, hey, son, let's go camping. And uh, <laughs> Of course, we know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. After his death, he went to the other side for three days before coming back to life. This year, our church theme is Into the Deep. And I just thought, well, this is kind of matching. Uh, I wanted to talk about going into the deep. I mean, uh, they're using Luke chapter 5 as the main text. You know, when Jesus tells Peter to lower the net into the deep water, and they were able to gather a large amount of fish, it's that passage. But I thought this is appropriate too. Jonah, who went deeper into the water than Jonah? He went way, way deep. Sometimes we have to go into the deep water to experience something profound so we could tell others about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope this is the year where we could experience God profoundly. You know, if COVID-19 hasn't has taught us anything, I believe it's this part. For two years, what have you done? For two years, I believe God is trying to send a message to all Christians. Revisit this part of your life, going back to the scripture, going back to your prayer life. These are two areas that Christians struggle the most. We don't struggle doing ministries. We struggle reading the scripture. We struggle praying. Isn't it ironic? And I really believe during that pandemic years, God wanted us to come back here so that we would learn to pause and spend time with God, to talk to him, to listen to his voice, to meditate on his words. So we're going to go into the passage today. So Jonah 1.17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want you to use a little imagination with me. So this is Jonah who asked the sailors to throw him overboard. So when they actually did throw him overboard, Jonah is not swimming because his intention was to die. So he just sank under water, ocean water. Did he pass out at the time? We don't know. Did he open his eyes underwater? Did he see the great fish coming towards him? We don't know. What we do know is that he was inside the belly of the fish. The awful smell, the, the stomach acid water irritating his skin. It's like, what's this smell? Why is it so dark? Is this what heaven smells like? <laughs> Just put yourself in his shoes for just a little bit. You don't know. It was at this moment Jonah decided to pray. Jonah finally prayed. Verse 1 of chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. This is interesting because chapter 1 doesn't talk about Jonah praying to God. When God called Jonah, Hey, go to Nineveh. We don't see Jonah 
okay, God, I don't think I'm hearing this right. You want me to go to Nineveh? What? I want to make sure that this is your calling. So I want to pray. Can you give me a sign? There's no mention of Jonah praying. When he was going down from Jerusalem to Joppa, the port city, it's up and down, up and down, and he will see this you know, wide open ocean view as he's coming down the hill to Joppa. He had this time to reflect on God. There's no mention of Jonah praying. When he got on the ship to go to Tarshish, away from God, there's no mention of Jonah praying. Even in the midst of storm, when the sailors, the Gentiles, praying to their gods, Jonah didn't pray. In fact, he went under the deck and he slept. Captain had to come and wake him up so that he would pray to his God. When they were throwing him overboard, Jonah didn't pray. When he was under the water, it wasn't until he was in the belly of the fish he decided to open his mouth. And then he cried out to God. Verse 2. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. As we sang today and the verse that we read today, it kind of goes along with that. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Jeremiah 33, call to me, and I will answer. This is God's promise. You see, this is how God orchestrates things. Jonah knew it wasn't the sailors who's throwing him overboard. He knew it was God himself. Roman soldiers did not crucify Jesus Christ. God allowed it to happen. God is in charge. See, God moves things. He does things. And sometimes we don't know. In those times, what we need to do is we need to pray. We need to cry out to God. Hold on to this promise. He said he will answer us. Not always according to our wish. But God will answer our prayers according to his goodwill. To have that trust. Also, deep desire to, okay, I will follow you. Even if you want me to go to Nineveh, I will follow you. But what is your desire? God orchestrates things so that we will be in this situation. See, Jonah was running away from God. I, I know you can't because God is omnipresent. But get this picture. This is Jerusalem. Jonah has his back turned, uh, and, and then he's going toward Joppa. From there, he's going to Tarshish. Nineveh is over here. He's going away from everything. And then one moment, he realized, I am cornered. God, you got me. I can't run anymore. And then in today, we read that he turned, and then he, he's reaching out to God. Something will happen in your life. We don't know what it is. 2023, today is only the first day. We don't know, but the time will come when we will have to stop and turn and face God and cry out to him, individually, as a family, and as a church. 
God allows things to happen so that we could encounter God profoundly. And we'll use that as our testimony. And we will get to share that story. And then God will continue to use us to expand his kingdom. You will honor me. I hope this is a year where we learn to cry out to God, literally and figuratively. This is one thing that, that I don't see as often as before. When I was growing up, I saw my parents, I, see, I saw their generation crying out to God. They were crying out to God for uh, unification of North and South Korea. They were crying out to God so that God would grow their church. They were crying out to God so that God would bless them and that, that they could share their, God's blessings with other people. They were crying out to God all the time. But as I got older, I don't see that anymore, figuratively and literally. I don't see people wrestling with God, grappling with God, not to beat God, but to hold on to God. Because we are surrounded by so many unknowns. We have no choice but, but to hold on to God. And then along the way, we're going to discover it's not me holding on to God, but God holding on to me. Then you could rest. Then you could surrender. Then you go, God, just let me know what you want me to do. I believe this is what we need to do. Again, more than ever, we need to pray this prayer. May of this year, this place called Laguna Woods, which is halfway between San Diego and Los Angeles, this Taiwanese church was having Sunday worship. They had a visitor that day. They welcomed him. The visitor worshiped with them, stayed for lunch, and after lunch, he pulls out a gun and starts shooting people. That happened in May. We felt their pain. As a church, we cried out for them. My point is, why don't we cry out for each other so that these things don't happen? Even if it happens, that we will be better prepared. Just because we pray, it doesn't mean some things will not happen. It just means that we will be better prepared in honoring God. We have to be proactive. The irony is that no one prays like this. We know we don't want to change. We don't like that. Even Israelites, even as slaves in Egypt, Moses had to convince them this is God's will for them to get out. We don't like changes. When do we change? In the belly of fish. Through God's grace, we might change a little along the way, but it isn't really until we get in the belly of fish. We turn to God. Well, God, help. Isn't that how it works? But no one prays like that. No one says, God, put me in the belly of fish so I could change for you to honor you better. No one prays like that. And I hope that we would perhaps utter those prayers. You know, when you go to orchestra, concert, what do you see? You see these musicians tuning their instruments, right? Well, I see prayer in that sense. As a church, we're tuning our gifts 
our spiritual gifts. We're tuning ourselves so that we could create God's music. And when we are able to harmonize and make beautiful music for God through our life, and the others will come to know God. Prayer does that. It's one of the main instruments that God would use. Well, let's move on. Verse 3, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. This is recognition from Jonah, but this is more of a testimony that Jonah is now ready to let go of his preferences, of his styles, of his culture. What's his culture? What's his upbringing? That we are God's chosen nation. Israel is a holy nation. He knew that God picked them as a nation to represent to other nations. Good. They were able to just persevere when Malachites, Moabites, Philistines attacked them. They were able to persevere and hold on to God somewhat. But it was out of his culture when God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. No, I can't. There are enemies. They torture us. They oppress us. You want me to go to Nineveh to share your good news? I can't. See, often we create our own culture and we think it's good. We hold on to that culture. Whether it be ethnic culture or church culture or culture that you have created, you hold on to this and there is God. And you're trying to balance. It never works. We need to hold on to this and then change our culture every day. There's no perfect culture that man has created, only God's culture. And yet we hold on to this as if this is the Bible. The way we do ministry, the way we do God's work, we've created this own system, and we think we have it figured out. That's what Pharisees did. We know how to be saved. We don't need the Messiah. We're good. We're holy. We are already saved. And Jesus said, no, owe to you, owe to you, Pharisees. Remember Matthew 19, rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Lord, what do I need to do to follow you? Jesus said, obey commands, and he said, I did all that. Then Jesus said, sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow me. And he said, no, I can't. I could do everything but that. So he was unable to follow, become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ because he couldn't let go of his wealth. What is one thing that you cannot let go today? As we begin this new year, I wonder if we could have that time of reflection. What is one thing that you're holding on to that you don't want to let go? It's most likely preventing you from becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. The question we have to ask is, why is God pursuing Jonah? Why is he so desperate? I mean, 
He calls Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes, no, I can't. I'm running away. God could have said, okay, then see you later. I'll pick someone else. It would have been so much easier that way. I mean, everything is easy for God, but for our sake, would that have been easier? When Adam and Eve sinned, it would have been easier for God to just start over. Only two people. But that's not how God works. God loves Jonah unconditionally. God's plan is to deliver salvation message to Ninevites through Jonah. He wants Jonah to change. This is how God works. When we go and when we share the good news to represent God, it's not just the message. It's not just the people that we are sharing the message with. It's us. God is changing us so that we will lack nothing as we represent God, as we grow in the Lord. And I pray that will, that will be the, the result of 2023 for us. As CCCI pursues God, I pray that we'll all grow in God's grace, that our shortcomings will be covered through God's grace, that we will cover for each other through prayers, through God's unconditional love. Verse 4, I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I look again toward your holy temple. God is Jonah, remember God. Just like the communion. Why do we do communion once a month? Some churches do it every Sunday. Why do they do that? Because they want to remember. When they remember what Christ has done, that will propel them to do what Christ has commanded them to do. To help each other to remember God. And this is how the verse ends. Uh, the, the chapter ends. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. There are certain things that we cannot experience in Egypt. Israelites, they were in Egypt for 400 years. God wanted them to come out of Egypt and go into the wilderness and go into the promised land because there are new things that God had installed for them. God wanted them to experience new things, like parting the Red Sea, not in Egypt, like the pillar of clouds and pillar of fire, not in Egypt, making the tabernacle, receiving the law, the Ten Commandments, not in Egypt, drinking fresh water from a rock, not in Egypt, manna, quail, all those things that God provided, they could only experience that in the wilderness. The point is, point is, we have to let go. 2022, let it go. Remember, but let it go. Our presuppositions, our own styles, let it go. 2023 is a brand new year. We don't know what God has in store for us, but we need to take that step of faith. And we do this through prayer. 
Because prayer has that humility. When we pray, when you pray, you cannot hate. You cannot hate even your enemy. You show me a person with a fruitful prayer life, I show you a person who loves everyone. But you just can't. You're receiving God's instructions. You're receiving God's heart, his desire. That's what prayer does. When we tune ourselves with God. In the belly of fish, only then Jonah opened his mouth and he cried out to God. I remember when my younger son was about three or four years old, he had a Caesar. We had no idea what that was at that time. So that day, um, my son, he had a high temperature all day. And even at nighttime, he was struggling. And my wife was caring for him. And I fell asleep. And in the middle of sleep, I heard this scream. I woke up, and I knew this was not normal scream. So I ran into my son's room, and my wife was holding him. And going, something's wrong with him. So my natural instinct, I just went over and I just grabbed him. And he was shaking so violently. And I looked down and I see his eye just rolling over. And I thought I was going to lose him. I cried out, God, help him. Father, help him. Not like this. And then my wife called 911. Fire trucks came first. Ambulance came much later. I was kind of upset, <laughs> angry. And then, you know, they did their thing, and then, oh, it's okay, you know. But um, we want to take him to the hospital just to make sure. So they put him in the ambulance. My wife went with him, and they drove off. And I got my older son ready, and I, I was following behind him. I, I passed ambulance. I got to the hospital first. I was waiting for ambulance to come. <laughs> to this day, whenever I see ambulance on the street, whether the light is on or off, I give my prayer because I know what I went through. When you cry out to God, you gain this compassion. When you cry out to God, you gain God's compassion. You gain God's heart. Figuratively and literally, I pray that this year we'll learn to cry out to God. Kara. That is, you call. Ana. That is, God answers. You call, God answers. <clears throat> crying is different. Zarka. Doesn't sound like you're crying out. Zarka. The way God listens is shameh. We're going to sing this song, and I want to invite Vivian to come up and get ready for the response song. This is a song we're going to sing, Came to My Rescue. I know we sang some hill songs today. We don't agree with their theology, but some songs are really nice. So we're going to sing this song, and it goes like this. Falling on my knees in worship, giving all I am to seek your face. Lord, all I am is yours. My whole life I place in your hands. God of mercy, humble, I bow down. In your presence at your throne, I call, you answer. And you came to my rescue, and I want to be where you are. And I hope that 
will be our prayer as well. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that you're patient with us. As we welcome this brand new year of 2023, and our theme is into the uh, deep, and we pray, O oh Lord, that we'll grow in your grace, that we will be unafraid to go deep into the water for you, for your people. And we just ask that you would create in us a desire to be pure before you as we pray, O oh Lord, to grow in our prayer life, that you would continue to change us, that you would transform us to your likeness, that we will lack nothing as we, we strive to serve you and represent you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all rise for this song and we'll end with a benediction afterwards. Thank you.